Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. It's producer Harry back once again to deliver the introduction to today's episode. And today's episode is with former UFC champion Ben Askren. For those of you who don't know who Ben is, um, he was yeah a former UFC uh, world champion, I believe a two-weight world champion, uh, most commonly um, fighting in the welterweight division within the UFC. He unfortunately does hold the record for the quickest ever knockout in UFC history. That's against him, not for him. So he was knocked out within five seconds of a match. So a lot of this interview uh, is all about the business ventures regarding Ben Askren, but also he talks about the UFC as well. So it's a really good, diverse interview with a lot of good things in here. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's just get straight into it. And finally, remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast and live stream. I'm very grateful, excited to be here with Ben Askren. Hi, Ben. Wait, Rob, are we really live? Like, we are really on the live. internet somewhere? So if I start dropping F-bombs or something, you get in trouble. SEC yeah. will come get you. Yeah, we're really live. <laughs> All right. I'm good to go. I, I love live. Cool. So, um, Ben, I want to say thank you for taking your time. You got it. Uh, so, before we went live, you said, that, um, and thank you for saying it, you said that you liked the title of my podcast. Absolutely. You like, you like disruption. So, I normally talk about disruption at the end. Let's talk about it at the beginning. So, yeah. what does disrupting mean to you? What do you like about it? Well, I, I was talking specifically about my friend, uh, Martin, his name is Martin Floriani. He was the founder of Flow Sports. Um, he has since founded a new platform called Rockfin. And, uh, you know, his thing is about how the, how digital networks take advantage of the value of people and how Rockfin adequately distributes that value to the content creators and not, does not take advantage of them. Um, and, I, and I think we share that bond of disruption because obviously like my college wrestling days uh, I disrupted college wrestling by creating a brand new style that no one had ever seen in the history of wrestling. Uh, you know, which gave me my nickname Funky because it was called it was called the Funk was kind of how it was known. And so, yeah, I love disruption. I, it, frankly, the way I see it is just because something done is done a certain way doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. So we need to always um, look at new ways to do things. And, and if there's a better way, we do it a better way. We don't we don't get stuck to, to whatever rut we're in. So how did you develop this wrestling style and why did you develop it? Was it something you planned or did it, no. just, it just evolved? It, it was necessity. I wanted to win really bad. Um, and when I, when I went to the college level, so when you go, so high, we have high school, you're in the UK, right? Yeah. Okay. So in the United States, we have obviously high school wrestling and then you get recruited to go to college wrestling. We go to college wrestling, everyone's generally better. And I had a high level of success in high school. And, and frankly, I'm not a very good athlete in your most, um, most basic of ways, you know, strength, speed. I'm, I'm very low level in that stuff. And so 
when I tried wrestling a basic style at a college level, I really struggled. And so it was like, F this, how do I win? I need to win. And so I started really uh, deeply exploring uh, a lot of areas where I thought things were missing. I started watching really high level people to gather other techniques that maybe I wasn't using. And then I started filling in the gaps where, where I saw gaps. And, uh, you know, it all, it all came together beautifully. My last two years of college wrestling, I went 87 and 0. uh, I won two shallows trophies for the best pinner. I won two hot trophies for the best wrestler. Uh, and I won two national titles. So, um, you know, it came together in just this beautiful thing. And if you could describe how you created your advantage, cause you said, you know, your lower level strength, fitness, whatever in your words. Yeah. So how did you create your advantage? How well, it was, it was more about um, wrestling further through. I mean, unless you're a high-level wrestling expert, this is going to kind of be lost on you. Um, but just kind of wrestling through positions, traditionally where something went A, B, C, D, and then that, that was it. That was the end. I then went E, F, G, H, I, J, K, <laughs> right? And just kept rolling. Yeah. So if you could describe that in layman's terms, because I'm fascinated in looking at what made you successful and thinking about what we can learn from it to put into our own lives. Sure. Was, so was, was it breaking the rules? Was it pushing beyond limits? What, what, what could you yeah, describe? Well, it was, it was, um, uh, I, I guess kind of all of those things. I don't know if maybe necessarily rule is the right term, but it was like, okay, I get in this position. This is what most people do. Okay. Here's one other option. Okay. Neither of those work. Huh? Is there anything else that is available here to me? Yeah. Right. So then, then I'm saying like, I go, you know, I go study other great people to see what they do. I go watch the world championships. I go, and then, you know, some, some things I see, Oh, I'm doing this. It kind of works. Well, what if I just move my elbow differently here? What if I just grab here instead of here? Right. And just start really deeply exploring these positions and trying to figure out what's going to really make them better. Sure. So could you say studying other people, testing certain moves and positions out in, you know, um, sort of practice situations, like a constant improving mentality. Would that be accurate? Yeah. I mean, so as I see, uh, as I see it, a lot of people struggle with this because they want to put the cart before the horse. And so what I mean by that is, you know, they want to do what I did uh, when I was 20, 21, 22 at age 13, 14, 15. And unless you have a deep knowledge level, right, I explored all other avenues. So it's, it's not like at 13, I'll say, well, what about this without exploring everything else? Cause it's like some of those questions have already been answered. I don't need to spend a whole bunch of time if someone's already got the answer for me. So yeah. I go take their answer. But then now at a really high level, that answer isn't working. I search everywhere else. There are no other answers. Then it's like, okay, what, what is being missed here? Is something being missed? And then I find something that's being missed and I implement that. Right. And why don't all other wrestlers, athletes, fighters have the same mentality? Because if you, using your words, have lower level skills, but you've essentially outfoxed them, outlearned them, outtested them, why don't they all do that? Uh, well, pe more people are starting to break the mold since I broke the mold, right? And, and it's actually uh, because they have been on the internet, people can watch, you know, technique and stuff is more uh, available to them. So wrestling is getting so much better, so much faster. Um, but actually I just read, I'm trying to remember which book it was. I think it, um, it may have been anti-fragile, but I, I could be wrong. I read it. So when I, when I travel overseas, I generally take a stack of books with me. I could be wrong. It could be a different book. I think it might be anti-fragile, 
But uh, most people don't try thinking outside the box. Say you work in a job and, you know, you, you try something that is normally tried in that job and you fail. You know, hey, listen, that, that's fine. You tried what we, what we normally do. It didn't work. Okay, try something else, right? Yeah. If, you go, if you go way outside and say, I'm going to try something brand new that, that no one else has done or no one else does, and you fail, some pe- then, then your boss is going to come say, you're a freaking idiot. Why did you try it that way? And, and, right? and so there's a lot more risk in doing stuff that way. It's a lot scarier. When you do stuff a traditional way, it's really easy to explain uh, away failures and no one will be mad at you. But when yeah. you really go outside the box, people are going to ridicule you. They're going to say, I mean, listen, I, 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 I dealt with it the whole time I was doing that stuff is people that, Oh, that's never going to work on this guy. That's never gonna work on this guy. But then like I said, when I go 87 and oh, um, man, it's very hard to argue with. Yeah. So I picked up a few things there. Risk. You said failure. You said, so how do you see risk? Probably the phrase up, you love it. So tell me about that then. Well, you, you eventually realize the greatest, the greatest uh, reward comes with the greatest risk. That yeah. is a, a factually 100% true statement. And so, you know, I, I know what I, if I go risk something, I'm going to get a big payoff. That's what I love. I, I don't, I don't want to play within the, within the margins for uh, low risk, low reward. I, I don't like those type of propositions. Uh, you know, the, the people I... You know, now I guess I would say I'm a businessman. I run several businesses and, and the people I look up to, whether, whether it was in sport or, you know, sport, the guy I looked up to the most is Muhammad Ali. That's the guy who went way outside the box. Um, and you know, in business saying Elon Musk, like, yeah, dude, is there a big chance he's going to fail? Sure. There is. Right. But is that dude, is that dude risking at all? He, he has some big balls of steel that 99.99% of other people wish they had and are too effing scared to do it. So they say, Oh, he's an idiot. He's this, he's that, because they don't got balls of steel like he does. Yeah. Now, I completely get that in business, Ben. But do you have the same attitude when you go into a fight? Because you could take a risk and you're out cold. So it must be different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, fighting is a very interesting one, because obviously that's something I didn't start till later in life, right? I was, I was 24 when I started it. So, um, Man, now we we'll have to go really, really deep into the techniques of fighting. But people would say earlier, earlier in my life, my uh, or earlier in my fighting career, my style was very low risk oriented because wrestling was my skill set. Right, that was that was what I did well. So I had to stick with what I did well. You can't go out there and be a dumbass and and, and do things you're not very good at. Um, you know, as I got better at jujitsu, I started obviously taking a lot more risks, and um, you know, it made me a lot more confident fighter. Um, you know, if I think, Hey, if I started at 14, I think probably I, w- I would have looked a lot different and probably would have been able to take more risks, um, in that. So when you're fighting, do you sense moments where you could take more risk and you maybe do take more risks or you're patient and you wait? Do you see those moments unfold in a fight? I think so. Yeah, I, I would say Absolutely. Okay, great. So you also said failure. You talked about failure. Um, just what, how do you feel about failure? It sounded like it was linked to risk, i.e. Um, if you don't take any risks, then you don't get the upside. But of course, if you take risks, you have the option or the um, possible outcome of failure. So they're all linked. How do you, how do you yeah. see it? Um, well, I, obviously, you can fail without taking risks also. Yeah. Uh, no, f- failure... 
I, I don't have an issue with failure at all. And, you know, maybe I always say maybe one of the reasons was because when I was a young wrestler, I wasn't very good. So I took a whole bunch of losses. Yeah. So it's just like, Hey, you're, sometimes you're going to lose. Um, and gen- generally people who have the most issues and, and these people end up experiencing a lot of failure are the people who fear failure itself, right? They're not willing to do something because they literally fear failing. Um, and when that listen, that's in sport, that's in life. Um, Man, think about some of the people you aspire to be the most. It's probably those guys. Well, I, I mentioned one, Elon Musk, who's who's willing to say, "Hey, I got two hundred and fifty million dollars from PayPal. Hey, why don't I go burn it all in Tesla? <laughs> F it, you know, like yeah. that. That's probably the guy you aspire to be the most because he literally. I mean, listen, I don't know the guy. I've read a few of his books. I would assume he has zero fear of failure. That's how it appears to me. Yeah, although he's a human being, so he probably does have some fear of failure. Maybe it's just in different areas. I don't know. I think he's got rid of it, probably. He probably realized it's not very useful. He's just going to go for it. And uh, he probably realizes if he loses all his money and and fails at Tesla, he's probably smart enough and good enough to go do something else to make a living. Yeah. So, Ben, you're in a unique situation where when you fail, it's in front of millions of people and you get knocked out. And So how does that feel? I guess there's two elements. There's in and around the fight. And then afterwards, when people see you and notice you and, you know, like you, you, I believe you hold a record for one of the quickest knockouts and you're on the receiving end of that. How does that how does that feel to fail so publicly and to be knocked out in the failure? I never really worried about it. I don't know. I, I, I don't have much feelings about it. Sorry to bring it up and <laughs> make an issue. No, no, I, I don't care. Like, it's just something. Listen, I, I know when I go in the cage, that's a possibility. Yeah. And I, you know, I try to say, I, I, don't th- I, genuinely, I genuinely don't think about it much. I don't dwell on it much. Um, and, you know, that's probably one, you know, one other thing that, you know, a guy like Elon Musk, I keep bringing up, but there's obviously many, Steve Jobs, right? There's a whole bunch of other people like that. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm moving forward. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I lost my last two fights. Listen, I'm, I'm starting, my brother and I are starting Wrestling Academies four and five next year. I'm helping my buddy build this Rockfin platform. I have all these other things going on in my life. So what am I going to sit in my basement and say, oh, I just lost. Oh, it sucks. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I lost. It happens. Yeah. Tough shit. I'm still living my life. <laughs> Do you think more of a fear of failure might help you prepare better, plan better? You know, because sometimes that fear can drive you, can't it? You said what? Um, maybe do you think more fear could help you prepare better, plan no. better? No, you're good. Yeah. It, it'll make you scared. Scared, yeah. makes, scared, scared makes everything go bad. So I, I would, I would definitely on that tip say, um, no, fear of failure is not good. I mean, you want to have the desire to go succeed, right? Yeah. But when, when the fear of failure comes in, it just gen- tends, to lead you, tends to lead you to worry about a whole things that are probably not totally necessary to worry about. Um, and, and then that, that makes you, uh, worse at whatever you're doing. Sure. Okay, cool. So you said, um, you really, really wanted to win. Why do you, you know, in your wrestling and your fighting, why do you really want to win? I always said, if I had the answer to that, I'd have a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I listen. There's something that burned deep inside of me from the time I was young that I, I want to go be great. Um, yeah. And I cannot absolutely put my finger on that. And if, if I could, I would have a billion dollars. Well, let me know when you find out. <laughs> um, all right. So I love talking about business. Business is one of my passions. 
Um, and it's you, you said that, you know, you're, you're a businessman, you've got different businesses. Let's have a chat about that if it's all right. What, what businesses do you run? Why did you start them up? Why do you love doing them? How do you balance that with being a fighter? You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so like I said, my brother and I own three wrestling academies. We started one in 2011, 2013, and then 2017. We're opening number four and five next year in 2020. Um, we own a wrestling camps business, which is, you know, it's a separate entity, but it runs camps in the summer. It's kind of, it's kind of an extension, if you will. Um, and we own a properties business, which buys buildings for our academies to rent from. Um, so we kind of do everything, you know, we, we own everything there. Yeah. Um, and, and then I've invested in a few other business. I have a, uh, a guy who owns a spring roll company who I have a, an investment in. So I've been, I've been able to watch his growth. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't have investments in, in full wrestling or rock fin, but you know, I've known Martin since he, st he started full wrestling uh, in full sports. And so I've gotten to watch those things grow um, as they've gotten bigger. Yeah. And why? Why do you do all that? Do you do all that because you've made money? Do you do all that because you've always loved business? Why do you do it? Uh, it interests me and I want to. Yeah. That's why I, right, I wake up, I do shit I want to do every day. It's fantastic. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you balance all those business interests with preparing well for fight and training enough and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, so like when I came out of retirement to fight in the UFC, I, uh, I hired someone to run all the practices I was running at one of the wrestling academies. So I didn't have any of that on my plate. You know, I could show up. If I wanted to, which I did cause I, I enjoy being there, but I didn't actually have to be there. So, you know, I kind of put that on the back burner for a few years, but I, I always say this to fighters, man, if you fight till you're, and I never thought I'd be fighting till I was 35. Like that is. I, I, if you had told me I was 25, I would have said you're crazy. So I always tell fighters, though, if you're 35 and you get done and you have nothing, you have nothing going for yourself, it's going to be hard, man. You start from, to start from scratch and build something, you're going to end up right back fighting again because you have nothing to do with your life. Yeah. So while you're fighting, um, man, you can only really train three, four hours a day. You can't really train six or eight hours a day. So there's obviously excess time. So you know, and especially so some of these high level fighters, they have a, a fair amount of notoriety. You use that notoriety and use that excess time to start doing something you're passionate about. And then, you know, therefore, even if it doesn't make money for two or three or four or five years while you're fighting, you don't necessarily need it to make money because you have the fighting income coming in. Also, yeah. then when you're done fighting, you already have a business up and running where you can just go straight. Hey, I'm going to go do this. Boom. Yeah. And are there people in the world of fighting? Because I know a lot of um, famous boxers in the UK, people like um, Frank Bruno. Um, I know a lot of ex-sports people. And a lot of these guys aren't really taught from 18 or 25 years old. Hey, look, you could get an injury and you're out and you've got no career and you've got to do something different. So are you in the world of fighting taught and advised about setting up your business interests and how you're going to move on with your life beyond fighting? No, no one talks about it. You're right. Nobody talks about it. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of, I've had to go figure everything out on, on my own. Um, and yeah, I think there's, you know, like there's AX fighting's the worst, right? Cause there's no fighters union or anything like that. At least, uh, you know, the other professional sports would, would still end up with a high amount of bankruptcies. If you look at the amount of bankruptcies between the major professional leagues in America, and I, I don't know what soccer is in, in England, if it's the same deal or not. But in the United States, the, the amount of bankruptcy within five years of retirement is, I believe, between 60 and 70 percent because wow. these yeah. guys get used to spending money that they're not going to produce in the future. 
Um, and then they, they don't have anyone talking to them about, hey, you know, go build a business, go do something, go make, go, go build value somewhere else besides your body, because your body is going to at some point give out. Yeah. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. I wrote in my book, Life Leverage, about leveraging your time. Let's be honest, no one is getting less busy. And two things that have really changed my life in terms of information and the speed of information is audiobooks on two times speed and podcasts like this. But there's a company I believe that are really changing the game. They're called Blinkist and they condense the best books into 15 minute summaries. Blinkist have an ever-growing library. I personally really like Sapiens. I also like Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I think you will like it when all my books are on there. So right now, for a limited time, Blinkist have a special offer that I've agreed with them just for my podcast listeners. You need to go to Blinkist.com slash Rob to start your seven-day trial. And Blinkist is spelt B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's Blinkist.com forward slash Rob to start your seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com forward slash Rob. Right, let's get back into the episode. You know what? I try and talk about this a lot because on the one hand, you know, people can't see sometimes beyond 10 years or 15 years. They might think they've got a long career. They may not have. They may not be that way inclined. A lot of sports people, you know, aren't necessarily well educated. They're not business educated, etc. Yeah. They don't, don't know how to build assets. Like you said, they, they create this very great lifestyle where they spend a lot of money. Um, so the overheads are huge. So once the money drops and the overheads are huge, then it doesn't take very long. Um, how do we get that message out to more people when they're thinking about becoming a professional sports person to have a bit of business now and savvy? There's no, there's no incentive for anyone around those people to do that type of thing, right? Does your, does your agent have an incentive in that? No. Does your coach have an incentive that? No. Does your teammate have an incentive that? No. Does the owners have an incentive that? No, right. There's no, there's no incentive. So Man, yeah. it, it's, it's a self-reliance type of thing. You got to figure it out for yourself. You got to be smart enough. I mean, there's enough people. If you, if you have half a brain to realize I am literally not going to be able to compete till I'm 40 or 50 or right at some point it ends. Um, so I, I, you know, I think it's a little self-reliance there. You have to be able to go, uh, figure it out on your own. The earlier you figure it out, the better it's going to be. Uh, maybe there's a business opportunity in there for someone, you know, someone who is an ex-sportsman, um, who can relate to other sports people to teach yeah. people. Um, cool. So you mentioned when you travel, you'll take a bunch of books with you. Yeah. What, what kind of books do you read? Yeah, Love it. <laughs> um, well, initially I would say, can you guys hear me still? Yeah. Good. Yep. Okay. Um, initially I, I was uh, very interested in athlete biographies. Uh, as I was growing up and then as I got older business in business and then sports psych slash performance psych are probably the two topics I, uh, I enjoy the most. So I read a lot of both of those. Yeah. Any great books you love that you just stick out in your mind? Well, I mean, probably because a couple that I just read. So, um, anti-fragile was fantastic. It's deep. It's smart. It's something that not a lot of people talk about. It was awesome. Um, and then I just read Win Bigly and Loser Think by Scott Adams. Those, those are both highly entertaining. Um, so those, those are just off the top of my head. I guess they were, uh, let's see. Peak, I love that. Ste Stealing the Fire and uh, what's, what's Kotler's other book? 
uh, chasing, Su- chasing Superman or building Superman. Right. Stephen, Coll- Stephen Collar has two books, which are, uh, they're, they're brilliant. Um, Paul, Daniel Coyle. Have you read him? No. Culture code. And, um, uh, what, what's his other book? Tell, tell code and culture code. Those are, those are, uh, both brilliant books. Oh man. And now I'm just reading off my shelf over here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I read, I read one about, I, I did not know this was what it was going to be about. I read one about the UK. It was called, uh, Battle for the Sky. It was talking about Sky News Network and Rupert Murdoch. Okay. Heard that? It, was, it was entertaining. I mean, yeah. well, maybe learn a little bit about um, the UK. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Ben. Um, right. So could we switch tack a bit? Um, you put a, a tweet out which got a lot of reach and a lot of people loved it, myself included, um, which was, I appreciate all the support I've been getting over the last few days. I love you haters too because, well, someone's got to love you losers. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you've got, a big twi- you've got a big Twitter following and I think a lot of people really like you because of how you handle critics, trolls, haters, you know, whatever you want to call them. So what's your attitude to haters and, you know, just... Yeah. Well, m- mostly it's ignoring that. But yeah, if, we, if, I, if you want me to go deep here real yeah, I do. quick... I do. Um, and I, I don't want to get emotional, all sappy or anything, but listen, those guys who are spending a lot of time just hating on people online, um, they're doing that because they have some type of pent up anger uh, because of their failures in life. And they need, they need to express it. Just, it's like the bully when you're in middle school, right? Why yeah. is the bully a bully? The bully is a bully because he has some type of pent up anger from some other place and yeah. he wants to take it out on somebody. So in essence, they're not getting loved enough so I do feel kind of sad for them that they're not feeling enough love from someone. And, you know, I always say that's one of the biggest things um, with my wrestling academies. And so I'm not going to say, you know, you, you, you can't love the kids like they're your sons um, and or daughters. Right. But, you know, one of the things that I say about kids that I, that I can do as a wrestling coach um, or, you know, or other people. And so I say I can as many good people as I can put in front of the kids, I will. Some kids are never, ever, ever told. This is, this is sad. This, this makes me depressed. They're never told that they are capable and they can do something. You know, they're told they suck, they're stupid. Um, I mean, some kids, they have terrible parents, terrible siblings. Ter- kids are terrible at them in school. And no one ever looks them in the eye and says, you can do this. Yeah. You are capable. You are, you are going to be great. No one tells them that. And, and you see kids, certain kids. Um, when they start succeeding in wrestling and that they've never succeeded in anything else in their whole lives, it just like flips a switch in their head and it makes them think, okay. And it gives them a certain sense of belief that, uh, that they are capable and they can do stuff. And so I think that's a really powerful thing that, that you can give to somebody. So are you saying empathy for critics and anger and hatred as opposed to taking it personally and being defensive? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, a little bit. I, I, a lot of times I just F with them still, right? Listen, I mean, I, I don't have enough time in the day to go give every one of those critics a hug and show them some love. I, yeah. You know, I, I, hope, I hope somebody does. I hope yeah. somebody finds them, finds them a little more love, right? Because they need that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have the time for that. But I, I love them too. I, and I hope they go find some more love. Yeah. Well, I actually think it's really profound what you've said, Ben, because um, we don't know what shit someone's going through in their life. And yeah. they can be scrolling on social media and our post can trigger them and they mm-hmm. react and they might be expecting some defensiveness back, but actually to say, hey, wait a minute, I care about you. I've checked your profile. Is there anything I can help you with? Or just saying something kind to someone when they really need it. They, that can make a big difference in someone's life. I, I, 
I should hire someone. I don't have time for that. I should hire someone to go on my Twitter and, and give people love. I should pay someone to do that. That would be a great thing for the world. Yeah. That'd be a fantastic service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a friend of mine in the UK who's well known in fitness. And if people criticize him, he'll go on their profile. He's got a smaller following than you, so he can yeah. do that. And he'll find some nice things about them or some things that he's got in common. And he'll just start talking about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. Cool. All right, then. So um, I'm not really into one talking about what people talk about other people. It's just not my game. But there's one thing that someone said. I'm not even going to mention his name because it's not about that, but you'll know who it is. But I would like to know what you think about this. But when people say to you, you do not belong in UFC, yeah. how, how does that make you feel? And what do you think about that? Um, I don't think about it much at all. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of, I, I don't, actually don't even know who said that. That's funny, yeah. but uh, Wait, it's not even relevant. I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it was one um, of your recent opponents. <laughs> oh, huh. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I was I was eighteen and zero. I was multiple time world champion in other organizations, and I came out of retirement not for not for fame or not for money, but ju just to see if I could beat those guys. And obviously, um, it hasn't went exactly the way I planned, unfortunately. Um, but most people that say something like that are probably jealous of some some type of fame or paycheck that I'm getting um, yeah. because uh, there's no real other explanation for it. Yeah. Cool. I'm um, just curiosity and feel free to not answer. It's up to you. But um, what make what generation more revenue you're fighting or your businesses? Oh, my fighting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the businesses. Um, I mean, I frankly, for most of them, I have never taken a paycheck. Wow. Um, because I haven't needed to, and I've just reinvested, and, and we're growing like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, obviously, the fighting income is going to come to an end. Probably not, not too far. And it did, right? I was retired for what sixteen months. Yeah. So, um, and, but at some point, right, the fighting income will come to an end, and I'll need to make money off those things. So, um, yeah, we're we're growing it, and obviously, for me, the gr growing the network is, and I, I think it's pretty much every business strategy these days. Growing, growing the network and building the business um, kind of takes first priority over earning a whole bunch of profits right away. So yeah. that's kind of how, how I think about it. Sure. Um, and are there other ways you invest your money and try and invest it wisely? So invest in businesses. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. How many Bitcoin do you own? Um, I've got some money in Bitcoin. But yeah, me, there yeah. we go. You're it's, woke. It's speculative. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're gonna you're gonna make a lot of money. You reckon? I I I believe I truly do believe Bitcoin is the future uh, of um, a lot of our financial systems. Wow! So I, I just sold some Rolexes. I've made I made three hundred percent on them in four years. Watches? Ro yeah, Rolexes. Rolex. I sold some Rolexes. Um, do you do you just put your money? Okay, you got Bitcoin. You got your businesses. Um, you invest in some companies. Any? You've got the properties. Any other investments or that's, that's, um, that's yeah, pretty well diverse? I've, I've, well, I've been, I've had a full life insurance. I mean, now we're going deep. I've had a full life insurance policy with Northwestern Mutual since I've been yeah. uh, 22. So that, that has quite a bit of value in there also. Yeah. Cool. All right, then. Um, has your mindset changed since two defeats in a row? Um, you've had two defeats in a row. Has it? No? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. What, what is your mindset? If you could summarize what your mindset is, how, what words would you use? Uh, wake up every day, kick ass, do things I enjoy. Right. So you seem pretty infallible. Nothing really rocks you. Nothing worries you. Does anything worry you? 
Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of go. I so hey, I got five minutes left, and I got, I got to roll because I got to watch my my son. My my wife's going somewhere okay, else. Okay, no worries. We'll do um, quick fire after this. Yeah. Okay, so I got I got five minutes. Um, I would say I don't tie myself worth to the results of a of a, a contest, right? Yeah. Um, I know I do a lot of other things really well. I know I provide a lot of value to people in other other ways. So I don't have myself worth tied to uh, the result of a contest. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll do um, quick fire now then, yeah? So we make sure we get in sure. the next five Perfect. minutes. Um, so what, what's the future of your career, Ben? Fighting or otherwise? Because we talked about a lot. Of Both. Um, I don't know. And uh, I want to be uh, the biggest wrestling academy system in America. And the, so not only the biggest numbers-wise, also the best as in results, right? My yeah. kids are having the best results. Cool. Um, any particular person or people you admire? Uh, well, I mentioned a whole bunch of them already. Muhammad Ali, uh, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs. Um, no, who else? Let's see. Steve Prefontaine is one of my favorites. I don't yeah. know if you know who that is. He's a runner. Um, those are probably the top ones that just kind of come off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a lot more other ones. Uh, the people that I admire and look up to. And listen, even if I don't admire someone, everything about someone, there's, there's not saying I can't admire certain characteristics in people. Sure. Um, what's the best advice you ever received? I've been asked this question a whole bunch of time, and I don't have a good answer, so I should start thinking of some type of good answer. And I should stop asking it. If everyone's asking it, I've got to stop asking it. <laughs> what about I've been asked a whole bunch of times, I've never had a good answer. Uh, what about the worst advice you've ever received? Do you get that a lot? Probably tuned it out. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. probably just got to scroll through my Twitter for about 30 seconds. <laughs> I'd have 10 terrible pieces of advice. Yeah, great. Um, is there any particular thing in the world that you really believe is wrong that you'd want to change? Wrong. Oh, there's a whole bunch of things that are wrong. I mean, where does what? the damn list start? You tell me one thing that you really strongly believe and feel. Well, slavery still exists places. There's uh, people being falsely imprisoned places. I mean... Um, sex trafficking, right? I mean, where, I mean that that that's yeah. like a high high end of terrible things that are happening. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Ben. Um, is there any one particular person other than Elon Musk who you would recommend we should interview? Martin Floriani, Martin Floriani, the guy I just talked about. Okay. At the beginning cool. of the podcast. He he loves disrupting. It's kind of his favorite thing. Yeah. I actually I actually took a picture of. Uh, I took a picture. See, I took a picture of us real quick. And uh, hold on. Yeah. I swear I'm gonna. I swear I'm gonna get to it here. <laughs> it's all right. See, I took a picture of us, and I said, I said, I sent it to him. I said, you'd love this podcast because disruptions his favorite thing. Oh, cool. Maybe we should um try. I should try and reach out to him. Yes, you should. Right, Ben. Where can we follow you? You know, where I know you Twitter especially, but where can we follow you? And I'm on Twitter uh, more often than I'm on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, just all, all by my name. Just um, and then I've been posting a lot of content on, on the Rockfin Network, which is that thing I mentioned earlier. Okay. And your um, handles are just your name, B-E-N-A-S-K-R-E-N. Just my name, yep. Yeah. A-S-K-R-E-N. Yes, sir. Yeah. Ben, really appreciate it, and we got it done in the time. Thank you very much. Got it, man. Have a great day. You too.